Okay, so the, when the trial passages were discovered by Howard Weiss and John Perry in the 1840s, they thought they'd be passages from an abandoned uh, pyramid. Uh, Petri found the passages to be a precise, actual-size copy of the pyramid's internal passages, as we've seen, just shortened in length. They're the same size and height and width, but the length is shorter. So Petri said that in 1880-1882. And his published measurements for the trial passages are in his famous Pyramids and Temples of Giza, published in 1883. Those are still the standard measures that people use for the Great Pyramid. Okay, so a bit more history. Petri believed that they'd been built before work on the Great Pyramid commenced as an attempt to mock up the layout of the internal passages in the pyramid. That's why he called them the trial passages, and that name is continues to be what we refer to them as today. Uh, Bob Breyer, the Egyptologist, says that their architect Hemienu's blueprint, not written on papyrus, but carved in stone. So a blueprint's a little bit than a trial passage in terms of naming. Uh, Mark Foster examined the trial passages many times between 1995 and 2008, but he wasn't able to in 2010 because that's when the Egyptian government locked them, and they've been locked ever since. Mark Lehner says that they were used as an incinerator for many years for Giza trash. Uh, Lehner, by the way, doesn't refer to them as much as the, with the term trial passages. He calls them the replica passages. And in using that terminology, he's staying away from the trial passages because, as he points out, if they were a trial, you wouldn't, if the, if the architects were sort of planning on, let's see how to build them down here so we can have a better chance to build them when we're up in the pyramid. No, because they were carved into bedrock. The trial passages are carved into bedrock. The, the passages that they emulate were built with limestone blocks in the Great Pyramid, two completely different kinds of building. You're not going to teach someone how to build with two-by-four framing if you take them to the adobe southwest desert and show them how to build that way. So they're not really the trial passages. Okay, let's have a little interlude here to, to give my, my appeal that they should be restored. They're part of the heritage of the fourth dynasty of Khufu, built by the same builders that built the only one of the seven wonders of the ancient world still standing. They should be preserved for scholarly pursuits like I'm involved in here, but also for increased tourism. I think if you put out stories worldwide that a replica passages to the actual internal passages are being reopened, it, it could be a tremendous uh, uh, shot in the arm for tourism. It could be an added Giza concession. You can charge a little money here when people come in. Hey, you want to see the trial passages? you got to pay for that. It fits with the new Giza rationalization where things are going to be improved and the, the new and improved Giza that's coming. This should be part of that renovation. Uh, I, I spoke to Dr. Zahi Owas about this. He says it's going to be done. Okay, we'll see. Now, this may seem funny, but panic attack prevention, I'm absolutely serious. So, panic attack prevention. I've been inside the Great Pyramid several times where people start having a panic attack. You know, they, they, they have claustrophobia. It's, it's when they usually they come, they go through the first ascending passage. It's low, it's dark, you get, a, you get a crunch, and then you get to the Grand Gallery. And this woman was having a panic attack, and, and I was really worried for her. So I, I took a risk and put my hand on her shoulder to move her back toward the Queen's Chamber to get her out of the traffic. And I saw how bothered she was. So I'm not a psychologist, but I thought, you know, uh, I, I know as a teacher, get students talking about something they know, like their girlfriend or their car or something. So I, I asked her why she was there and what she was studying. I wanted to get her talking about herself. 
And this is what she said. And I asked her if I could film this because I was worried, okay, I touched this woman. Somebody's going to charge me with something. So I, I asked her if I, I could tape it. She said yes. And I, I taped the whole thing. She said, this is what she said. I think you're, it looks like you're better now. It looks like yes, you're, you're, I really you're, appreciate yes, you. Yes, Thank yes, you so yes, much. Yes, yes, yes. You saved my life. Okay. Okay, now I didn't save her life, but she was very grateful because I had helped her in this time. So the, the Egyptian government usually just has a, you know, a minimum wage worker, and they're usually up in the king's chamber, so they're not there to help somebody. So if you have the trial passages and tell people, hey, those of you that are not sure, if you think you're going to be claustrophobic, try the trial passages. You can go down. You've got people right there. You're right close to the ground. You can, and they're the actual same size as the ones you'll be in when you're up there. Try it out. See if you can handle it. Hey, maybe you'll see, hey, this is not a problem. So you can go inside the Great Pyramid. Or, no, I'm still freaked out. So I think that would be a great way to use the trial passages. Egyptian government, are you listening? Okay, so who's going to step up and do that? I tried when I was there uh, in March and April, and I, I didn't have a lot of luck. So uh, Dr. Lehner uh, wrote a paper years ago, The Pyramid Tomb of Hedeferis and the Satellite Pyramid of Khufu, and he writes quite a bit about the trial passages. So this is what he says. Uh, if you see the yellow there, that's what the trial passages look like. And Laner gives good evidence that there were there was they were the, the just what the first people that found them thought they were the the bottom substructure to a pyramid that was going to be built. And he suggests this is what the pyramid would look like. And you can see it's got all the passages that the Great Pyramid has just shortened. And uh, another difference is whereas the Queen's Chamber in the Great Pyramid is up, you know, in in the uh, uh, up above the ground in, in the Queen's Chamber in this model is, uh, is in the bedrock. Okay, but you can see it. So it's interesting. And that's where it would have been right there. You've got the three Queen's Pyramids that are on the east side of the Great Pyramid now, but this would have been a fourth one, same size, and that's what it would have looked like. And I think Lerner makes a convincing case, uh, Lehner, I should say, Dr. Lehner makes a convincing case that it should be there. Now, when I talked with Dr. Lehner about this uh, in April, um, he said that, you know, since Dr. Huas found the actual satellite pyramid of Khufu, it maybe muted some of his findings because he had thought at the time that he was writing about uh, the, this possible pyramid being built over the trial passages, that it was the, the satellite pyramid of Khufu himself, not a queen's pyramid. So where that, uh, in, in the uh, uh, southeast corner where that, that blue box is, that's where uh, Dr. Huas found the actual satellite pyramid of Khufu. But, you know, I, I told Dr. Lehner, I don't think so. I think that I don't think that that mutes at all what you said. This just would have been a different uh, pyramid. The, the Great Pyramid has so many firsts of itself. You know, it's the only one that has the upward passage system. It's the only one that has the uh, uh, the air shafts. And so it could be the only one that has a, a second satellite pyramid that's got more of a symbolic meaning. So I think the, the find is profound there. That uh, gold dot there is the, uh, the, the gold square. Uh, next to the, the potential pyramid there is uh, the tomb of uh, Hedeferis. So uh, Lehner offers a number of profound ideas about the relationship of the replica pyramid, the tomb of the Queen Mother, and the Eastern Cemetery, uh, which is that great city of living cause of the royal family right to the east there, and inferring what some of the thinking might have been for placing the satellite pyramid atop the trial passages, because I agree with Lehner, as we talked about this, that the Egyptian builders were practical, and sometimes they made changes on the fly. I mean, there was this great master plan. I do believe that. But but still, 
I worked in construction as a young man, and so many times I saw the bosses huddle, and I thought, oh, they're never going to solve this problem, and they always did, and they had to make a, maybe make a change from the plan. So I think at one time it probably wasn't the plans to build this pyramid, but some things came up uh, that, that led away from it. This is just a list of some other interesting things that Lehner writes about in that paper, and I won't take the time to talk about them now, but, but very interesting. Okay, so one of the considerations for why it wasn't built, that's where we think the causeway was. So you can see the mortuary temple right next to the east of the Great Pyramid there. And so if you're going to put the causeway there, you can't have a pyramid there. It's in the way. And so Lehner infers what the thinking could have been that led to scrapping the building of the replica pyramid. Okay, so I'll talk more about that in a second. So, okay, so Mark Foster, another person that, that writes about the trial passages, he says they're a key. Right, so this uh, uh, web address I'll put down in the notes on this video so you can, you can go and read his paper about what I'm going to show here. So, you know, Alma Mound made a forced passage into the Great Pyramid in the year 820 uh, Anno Domini. Okay, so, so this is the original entrance, not, well, the, the original forced entrance by El Mamun in 820 A.D. Obviously, the Egyptian is. government it's added bigger the, than uh, the, other the door there. But you can see, uh, compared with the, the actual chambers from the builders, this is gross, grossly cut and blasted. But they, but they made it pretty big, though. Okay, so we'll talk about that in a minute, okay? Now, this is me up at the original entrance, which has never really been used, but the, this you're not supposed to climb up there, but I did get permission from the director of the pyramids uh, to go up there and some, take some pictures. So there I am. So that's where Elmamon's Forced Passage is right there. That's the current public entrance, so you can see people going in there. If you go inside the Great Pyramid, that's the that the, the, that's the entrance you'll take. Even when I had private permissions inside the Great Pyramid by myself three times, uh, they never let you go in there. They don't even let you come out there. That's the original entrance that's closed off. You can get to it from the inside, but you can't get out or in from the original entrance there. Okay, so how did Caliph El Maman just happen to guess exactly where to chisel into the Great Pyramid, a beeline to that conjunction of passages? I mean, seriously, that, that's one of the things Mark Foster, you know, asks. And so uh, his answer, uh, Elm Mound found the trial passages. Oh, he saw that they were an exact replica of the Great Pyramid passages uh, because he had, you know, in antiquity, we knew the, the Strabo and others write about how they knew where the uh, descending passage was and, and the well shaft. So he was aware of the original entrance and the fact that it went down to the subterranean chamber. But the trial passages showed that there were ascending passages. Almamon simply deciphered the scalar key of the foreshortened passages and used it to reckon the junction. Okay, Mark Foster's idea is this. So, you know, he said Almamon probably knew the trial passages and was able to decipher a scale from the trial passages because the descending passage, which was known about uh, from antiquity, people knew about that, that it went down to the subterranean chamber, but no one ever wrote about this before Almamon. His forced passage, which went straight through to it, is what opened that up for us. And so Mark Foster's idea is how did you get so lucky as to go straight to it? Well, he said from, from uh, ascertaining the scale in the trial passages, because there's a scored line, a very definite scored line in the descending passage. Many people who have studied the period of pyramid have talked about that. And so there's a scored line in the trial passages. Now the trial passages are the same size 
as the passages in the Great Pyramid, but they're just shorter. So if you take the idea there's a scale then, you take the, the, uh, the distance to the scored line in the trial passages, and then you take the distance to the scored line in the actual pyramid, and that gives you a scale. And so Mark Foster has calculated a scale that would give him exactly this point. So if El Mammon used uh, that key, then he knew where this was. Now, what he think happened though, that, that uh, his men found the way up the well shaft, because you could get in this way, you could get up to the uh, king's chamber and whatever treasures were there, they saw them. And so, of course, they're not able to get out this way because of the granite plugs, so they would have had to take them through the well shaft, which is very narrow, uh, restrictive, dark, and everything else. You, you couldn't get treasures through there. Oh, but if you chopped a hole, a bigger hole, because it's a pretty big passage, you could take whatever you were going to take out of the king's chamber, out this way. And so <clears throat> Mark Foster says that he didn't just luckily chop his way in. This hole was dug from the inside out. They were just making a way to get their treasure out. Interesting.